Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big good morning to you, our wonderful, amazing SCNZ listeners. It is Wednesday, we're halfway through the week, hang in there, hang in there, big weekend's coming up, and uh, Tony Kemp, he's still in Kitty Kitty, can someone drive north and get him, get him home. How you doing, Tony? <laughs> morning to Bo, morning to Yep. Uh, don't worry, I'll be home today. Don't need to send up the uh, the search party. Need a cuddle. Um, Miss you. Yeah, I'll get you back down. I'll get back down there today, brother. I'll be back down there. It's actually our uh, last running it straight today for this for the year after the grand final. We're going to be wrapping that up, me and Sammy Hewitt, uh, from two o'clock today. So uh, if you're about and you're maybe in your car or you got your, your earpods on, you're up for a run. Why don't you tune in, running it straight from two? With Sammy, uh, so yeah, mate, be a nice little cruise back down uh, State Highway One through. Hopefully, a nice day because it's been beautiful up here the last couple of days. I I have to say, the sun's been out; it's been quite warm. Oh, mate, it is a beautiful day here. Well, it's still dark when I got up, but I looked up and I saw the stars, and it's always a good sign when you can see the stars up in the sky and not a cloud anywhere. So I'm sure. I think it's a high of 16 degrees here in Tamaki Makoto. So gonna have a great day. Kids are going to tennis. I'll drop them off, and I have six hours to have a, to be able to recoup because yesterday I went to the zoo and well we that was a busy old place <laughs> wasn't it <laughs> busy school holidays school holidays down there point Shiv. um the zoo will be an absolute oh, must do for for school holidays so you I love the zoo uh, little, little monkeys running around all over the place um they're out of control yeah, seven of them I'll with see us that, I see, that, I see that on your socials, mate. So good on you. Good on you for, for doing the uh, daddy daycare and getting out there and amongst it with uh, with the kids. I mean, mate, just talking about that, I remember um, in England, of all places, and I think in Cheshire, Cheshire, and, and someone might be able to text me, double eight double three if they they know this place, but you can actually drive through, mate, in the middle of winter, a safari park with lions, in the middle of England, of all places, <laughs> and uh, and these lions walk around your car. It's, I was only talking about it a couple of weeks ago. Like, who would have thought to get some lions and put them in the middle of England in winter on Cheshire, which is just outside of Manchester, freezing, <laughs> freezing, absolutely freezing. How they enjoy that? Um, They'd hate that. And, well, yeah, they weren't born in the Antarctic, were they? So it's um, mate. I'll, look, you take you take your kids at the zoo, Auckland. If you ever come to Auckland, Auckland's a must do, must do as far as the zoo goes. Uh, and what and what else is on the agenda for you this week, mate? With, uh, with Daddy daycare. Well, today you're going to drop them at uh, tennis camp 
for six hours, and uh, then I've got a few meetings, a bit of training. I haven't trained this week; it's it's full time gig, isn't it? Um, so yeah, just been just been busy, and and today's just gonna get some get some stuff back and uh, work on my me and my brain, my body, get get job done, and then it's three o'clock. It's back into it for the night shift. So uh, should be a good day today, Kempi. But that zoo was outstanding. Tomorrow, gonna go to the Sky City because we drive past it every day, and I've said to them. Oh, you want to go up there, Tills? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, oh, do you want to jump off there, Tills? And she's like, no, no, no. <laughs> and so uh, we're just going to go for a cruise, do some touristy things, head up to uh, out to Cleveland and uh, spend some time with, with Daisy's family and then fly back to Christchurch on Friday, back nice. into school, Monday. So a big couple of days. I've really enjoyed Auckland. It's been good. The kids have had a blast. It's been busy as hell, but uh, it's been awesome. And Jimmy's come through. Morena, Izzy, Kempe, smash the morning, lads. We'll do our best, Jimmy. And uh, we've got a big show today. We've got Sam Burgesson coming on for Love Racing. Huge news yesterday, Kempe. We'll touch on I'm sure you're going to touch on in your Love Racing update mm. uh, about Sharp and Smart that I was reading. Um, it's going to be – it's gone. All the board horses have struggled in the mud. They had a virus. Yeah, well – yeah, well, you you get to you get to think about it, mm. like, and this was always the go. I remember talking to, remember um, Andrew Forsman on Friday and saying that uh, possibly Legato will come out, and he, and he sort of giggled, didn't he? He was like, "Yeah, well, let's hope so," because Legato was um, put into favourite, and and sure enough, on Saturday morning, Legato was pulled out, but really late mm. in the uh, in the day around lunchtime, I think Pierre got pulled out as well, and you and you you know. Hats off to those trainers thinking, you know, like we've got more than just this race to run, and um, yeah, it's it's it is tough. It does take it does take a lot out of horses, and and really the one I want to talk to Sammy about is Tokyo Tycoon because that was arguably the best uh, best horse running around last year, or one of them um, with Imperatriz, and it really didn't find its way through the, through the. Uh, I guess the wet of the Hawks Bay, and it's, it's plenty, plenty soft. It started. You got to remember, it started at a soft seven mm. on Saturday and ended up a heavy nine. I actually think it was a little bit heavier. Yeah, you know, talking about how sticky it was. So we'll talk to Sammy Burgesson about that. Uh, great mate, great kid, and also obviously got some horses running today too um, in Tauranga. Where we'll just possibly pick up a tip or two from him. Oh, we will. That'll be my first question, and no doubt that'll be my last <laughs> question too, just to really cement at home that maybe I'm going to back a winner today. But So looking forward to that. We've got Alex Brotherton. We're going to be talking EPL, Football, Champions League, the VAR. We've got it all. We, we spoke to him earlier. We'll play that for you after 7 o'clock. At 8 o'clock hour, well, Kempe's not here. So I'm going to have a busy you studio. Got I'm going to have a busy yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah. We've got Steve Lancaster coming through to be in the show, on the show with us, in the studio with myself, followed by Paul Wilcox, because they've got an awesome promotion running. And we want to tease that throughout the morning, and you could be in, you have your chance to win something amazing. So stay tuned for that. Who am I? Clue number one. Got an Adidas golf voucher, 100 bucks up for grabs. Get away with Adidas. Visit adidas.co.nz slash getaway underscore with underscore golf. T's and C's apply. Clue number one. I was born in Wellington in the 90s and have represented New Zealand at two Olympics. I was born in Wellington in the 90s and have represented New Zealand at the two at two Olympics. Double eight, double three. 
send your answers through, and we'll announce that winner at the end of the show. A big show ahead, but right now it's time for this, Kez. Round one, fight. Yes, boys, triple threat time. Thought we'd kick it off with a little bit of interesting news that I found overnight. Dallin Watskini's a Lesniak. Sammy Hewitt's uh, probably favourite name to say. Yours as well, Kempi. What did you call him, Lionel Richie? <laughs> they, yeah, Air Dallin. Air Dallin. new name. That's his Air new name. Dallin. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get him a logo for that, copyrighted as well. But, uh, boys, he's uh, decided he's not going to make his uh, return to the <laughs> Kiwi squad for uh, the Pacific Rugby League's championship. Either one or two things is going to happen to DWZ. He's either going to have surgery, which would rule him out, Later this month. Uh, otherwise, this is the interesting part, boys. He's eligible to play for Tonga. Now, there has been rumours floating around that Dylan will make his way over to play for Tonga, albeit injured. But, uh, boys, I guess my question here is, uh, if Dylan's not playing for the Kiwis, Kempi, who's our best winger in the country right now? Uh, in the, in who plays for the Kiwis? Who yep. actually comes out and plays for yep. the Kiwis? So there's, there's, there's two parts of this question. The first one is the Pacific Cup. And if you look through a lot of our players um, that played for the Kiwis, they could, they could a, a, a heap of them could go out and play for Tonga or Samoa, who are, who are in, this, in this cup. Yeah? Um, and I think that's really a, an issue and always is going to be an issue for the Kiwis going forward with this format. So already we've seen Dallin... Dallin say I'm not playing, but I will play for Tonga. Uh, I think I think there'll be a, f- a, a few others too that have um, given the given the opportunity want to go back and play for their their motherland, uh, which I think is a great thing. You've got not, uh, Nelson Osifa Solomona, uh, you've got Francis Liotta, the the likes of that. Uh, uh, those players that can go out there. Mulitalo is the winger that mm. you're talking about, Kez, um from Cronulla, uh, and I think the Kiwis will be really surprised. If this kid from Melbourne, uh, Will Woolbrick, doesn't get a call up to the Kiwi team on uh, mm. on one of the wings, I think he's a big, strong uh, winger, and I think he'll get a he'll get a shot. Um, but yeah, if you if you're talking the main thing around Dallin, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Surgery first, World Cup last year. Players are tired. Will Joey Manu play? Uh, Jerome Hughes. You're looking at the spine. Brandon Smith only just started to find some form at the back end of the year. And Dylan Brown comes into the mix now because Sean Johnson's already ruled himself out as well. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty interesting selection of the team. The Kangaroos have named their side. The Samoans have named their side. I'm expecting the Kiwis to and Tonga to name this on the next couple of days. Love it, Kempi. Just quickly, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Jermaine Osako? Nah? Uh, yep, he'd be, be the other one. I'd punch yep, him, be, he? Well, he's, he's the top try scorer, mm. um, right up the top. Uh, but I guess, you know, when you've got Mulitalo there, probably Osako if they need a kicker. Mm. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to... You know how many they want to carry in the outside backs because the other play, the other place they are going to be struggling is in the centres. Yeah. You know, does Rena Smith get called up? Does Joey Manu uh, go? I don't think Joey Manu plays, mate. I, rec- I reckon he'll be you give basically Rocco Berry stood down crack? from his club. Uh, no, no, not yet. Okay. I give him a, give him another year in first grade. I think I think you know they wouldn't want him to be given that opportunity really um, on the back end of the season that he has too because you need him firing next next season because that's the problem that you've got is you're going into the, the Pacific Nations, you're not training till January and uh, most teams won't like that after the World Cup last year. Round two. 
Now, I'm very lucky that I get to work with uh, two of the country's biggest menaces, but uh, heading over <laughs> to the United States, I don't know if you saw the NBA media what day was he yesterday. Doing? Jimmy Butler, Himmy Butler, I like he to call him. He looks like that person off the movies. So what is he's alluding to is uh, I'll, I'll take you back to last year's NBA Media Day. Now, Jimmy Butler, he uh, he does have little uh, dreadlock afro on top of his head. But uh, last year he decided to get extensions and rock these uh, dreadlocks that came down to his knees. And, and everyone sort of had a laugh at him back there and just thought, oh, that's just Jimmy being Jimmy. He's one-upped himself uh, mm. this NBA Media Day. He's got the old hair straightener out, straightened his hair down to look to rock that sort of uh, early 2000s punk emo rock look uh, and he's got the eye piercing he's got a nose piercing he's got a lip piercing just to sort of have a little troll and, and have a bit of good fun so every time someone's going to look back at, at Jimmy Butler's uh, 12th NBA season they're going to see him uh, rocking this emo look but boys it just got me thinking Izzy I know I know you might have one or two that stand out so I'll start with with you uncle was there any uh, media day pranks or, or anything that you did to sort of just have a little laugh with the media? We know how serious it can be with, with you two uh, top-class journalists being on well, the other side of it Every now. day on this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, while you were playing, did you ever do anything to, to sort of stitch up the media, Kempi? Uh, yeah, but you can't say anything on the radio. You'll go to jail. I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you a, a, a couple of um, standouts for me. One was stopping Kevin Campion from jumping over the fence and knocking out a journalist. Um, that was that was classic that stitch was up. Pretty classic. Oh, I, I I don't know whether Ke- Campo was serious, but you know I had to actually physically pull him back <laughs> to, to get him out to training because he was uh, a little bit red under the collar. Um, but one of the one of the interactions that I liked was the. For, for me, because you know, we didn't really have the social media and stuff around back in those days where you, you're trying to build your profile. Um, but, the, but the scrum, you know, like the media scrum, like we never used to have that in rugby league. Um, and when I went over to the States and talked to a guy called Marty Schottenheimer out of, the, out of San Diego Chargers, who arguably was the best NFL coach at the time, taught me about the media and, and basically said, you know, have a media scrum, um, you get them all in front of you, talk to them, give them the answers that they want before they ask you questions and, and get on with it. And, and now it's just the norm. Um, but straightening my hair, putting pierces, when I saw it, I just the first person I thought about, well, we've got a long way to catch Dennis Rodman. <laughs> oh, Kippy. Um, mate, I, I haven't done anything in terms of hair. I didn't have much hair back then, so <laughs> uh, just get a little gag, or gag in there early before you all come back. Um, but for me, there was a game against uh, France in the Rugby World Cup 2011, and this stems from a WhatsApp group. This is the early days in WhatsApp when you can create chat groups, and our chat group was called the Quackers Anonymous. And so we, we thought we'd come up with a, a gang sign, you know, a sign, <laughs> which is ba- basically the crazy horses off boy. Yeah. Um, so you put your, your hand up like this and you start quacking. And I just said, oh, look, if I score a try against France, I'll do this quacker. And I scored a try against France and DC comes up and hugs me behind me and I'm just doing this quacker. And I'm over <laughs> quacking the crowd. Anyway, that goes on and the next week I get into the media. And they start asking me about the sign. And then I just went on and just played this big game. I can't exactly remember what I was saying, but I pretty much said it was this um, 
this this religious Roman Empire kind of you know like I just I don't know I, I was just being an idiot DC and was sitting next to me just looking at me going you're an idiot mate and so I just I just played the media for the whole week and basically all it was was just a bunch of mates from Hawks Bay that were called the Quackers Anonymous and I was just paying homage to my brothers. The truth comes out. Why did you Why did you lie about it? Because I just wanted to play a game. It's all <laughs> about playing the make media. It, make it the Roman Empire. <laughs> yeah, no, I just went off on a tangent. Oh, Dagger Aurelius will start calling him from now on. <laughs> Round three. <laughs> Dagger, you, you are the almost Nostradamus as well, though. The All Black squad was released overnight New Zealand time, so we are getting it uh, for the first time. We will run through the full squad uh, just after this next break that we're about to hit, but just quickly, boys. Initial thoughts to the All Black squad. McKenzie's gone to fullback. Lomax is back. And uh, Blackadder being named on the bench. Good signs, Dagger? Yeah, great signs. They see Ethan Black, Blackadder back. And Tyrell Lomax as well. I think that really cements a bit of confidence, stability up in the front row. Um, I was a little bit surprised. There's probably more changes than I thought. Well, potentially, we've got one more game before we play Ireland. Uh, maybe, try, you know, they, they head in the right direction against. Italy, maybe building a bit of cohesion, but you know, Fozzie's full of surprises, and he's come out and he's and he's made a hell of a lot of adjustments. So yeah, we've got to back their their thinking. Um, Damien McKenzie getting a crack at the back. You know, I've had to change my thought process over the last couple of weeks about potentially not having him in the squad. Seeing what he can do at the back will be will be interesting. Uh, Cam Roygaard getting a start. Kempi, I know he's been huge for the ABs, so we'll see what he's like with uh, 60 minutes ball in hand and then uh, see what Finlay can do off the bench. So, look, I'm, I'm happy. I'm relatively happy. Um, Samasoni Tokiahau has really got to have a statement performance if he's going to put any pressure on, on Dane Coles because, let's be honest, Cody Taylor's probably going to start and there's that little battle there between uh, the 16 number and, and the reserve so yeah I was surprised but hey we've got to back them and, and believe what they're doing is, is the right way and giving these players an opportunity maybe as, as part of that puzzle yeah and look I, I think he did right I think there's a last chance uh, saloon for a couple of players in there I think Caleb Clark's another one um, Lester Fainuk who's obviously gone in, in front of him on the bench there Will Jordan uh, you've got Mark Talia there as well uh, so whether or not we see Caleb Clark get a, a, another start at the, the World Cup um, is very debatable. But when I first saw that side, as I thought the combinations, you know, mm. that we're talking a little bit about cohesion here. You can see through the team that um, when you're looking at Geordie Barrett and Anton Leonard Brown, is that that's the obviously the mix if they need to go with a centre um, in that game. Then you've got the likes of Will Jordan, Damien McKenzie. If McKenzie's coming off the back, um, mm. Of, of the the bench, he probably goes to fullback, doesn't he? Um, for Bodie Barrett, do they move Bodie up to to five eight? And then, of course, you got your your, your front rowers coming back too. The, the the locks in that look really solid. I, I would like to, to that Ethan Blackadder's back in the side too because I think he just adds another bit of punch around uh, Shannon Frizzell if we need him. Um, but yeah, I'm look real happy with that side. I think they'll go out there and do a number on uh, Uruguay uh, on the on Friday. Um, and you just to get out there and hopefully get another good game under their belt before this game that we're all talking about, which is uh, Ireland coming up. And can they get the job done? Oh, she's on the <laughs> she's on the middle of the seesaw at the moment with one leg in either camp, just swaying from side to side. I think it's a good space space to be where no one really knows, you know. So um, fingers crossed, heading in the right direction. 
Thank you, Kempi. Totally, totally agree, my friend. Double eight, double three. The All Black squad. What do you want to see? Who has the most to gain in this performance taken on Uruguay before they head to the big time, the playoffs, the knockouts? It's still up for grabs in that uh, Scotland, Ireland uh, <laughs> situation. I know Rassy. Rassy, man. He's an interesting character. There's a lot of debate Any going match on. match-fixing dagger ah. going on. Scotland's 21 <laughs> plus. I'm tipping it out. Oh. Ireland bonus point. Oh, man, look. <laughs> I never want to say it, but yeah, funny things can ha- have happened. Wouldn't funny. it be so good if it happened? It, like, like not, not match-fixing. I'm not saying go out and match-fix. Please don't uh, quote I me I wouldn't that, be surprised. But, but how, how amazing would that be if that pool, the pool of the... Uh, Supposed pool of death. If mm. all three of them have a little egg and spoon race, you know, to see who goes through and, and who who gets out. What do you do in that situation, Digger? Oh, there'll be something in this in the small print that they'd have to go back and have a look. There, how many knock ons have you done? Or, or you know, there'll be there'll be points differential. <laughs> there'll be something. I'm they'd... saying egg and spoon race or a boat race. He'd maybe. be a great fisherman. Oh. He'd be a great. He'd be a great what, fisherman what there, South do? African. They could probably have a tug of war. Double eight, double three, what would you like them to do? Mm. Scotland, Ireland, South Africa, all tied, same points. One team has to go. What what is what are they doing? Is it an egg and spoon race? I think I've come up with something there. There you go. Let's move on, Dagger. There you go. Appreciate it. And keep those messages coming through in regards to the All Black squad. We're going to name it after this. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Keeping you healthy this spring. Little Nicky. That's who I was thinking of. Little Nicky, Jimmy Butler, looking like Little Nicky, the gift that keeps on giving, came from Blenheim. I knew it was a movie. I knew it was something, and it was Little Nicky. Thank you for reminding me, uh, Cam, from Blenheim, mate. And you've you've done the double. You've done the double, haven't you, son? Multi-time, lads. Tauranga! You want this multi-kempi? Get your pen and paper ready. Get your pen and paper ready. And everyone out there, get it ready. Here we go. He's usually on the money. Came from Cambridge. They're a double team today. How good. Race one. Stokes wins. Race four. She turns head place. Race five. Mary Shan win. Race ten. I'm a rich girl. Place. And it is from Cam from Cambridge. Get on. Get paid. I can't believe I read it out before I even got my own self on that multi. But anyway, that's what we do for you, our listeners, and uh, appreciate it. Cam, brother, keep them coming. Every Wednesday, that's your slot. That's your moment to have your say. Boundary count back, boys. It is in terms of if it's all tied up, they want a boundary count back or paper, scissors, rock. Huh? <laughs> paper, scissors, rock, Kempi. <laughs> it must be a... Uh, yep. In in rugby, what would be a good one? Oh, game of bull rush. Last yeah, man standing. Yeah, bull rush, mate. Dodgeball, bull rush, dodgeball, something like that. You know, a little bit of force. Run back. it straight. Ooh, biggest hit, <laughs> biggest hit wins. No, if they all shoulder finish, charge, biggest shoulder charge. <laughs> yeah, if they all finish tied on fifteen points, and Scotland win by twenty-one plus, South Africa eliminated. That's in the World Cup rules. That is from Brendan, and that's why. All this conspiracy theories are coming out because anything can happen. And we know this World Cup's up in the north and I'd love nothing better than someone in the north to take it out. Anyway, that's my little conspiracy theory. Anyway, we'll shoot off. We'll come back. We've got some headlines with Kez. We've got Sam Burgesson coming on for Love Racing. But before then, here's Aroha with the news for Kubota together shaping and building New Zealand.
Thank you, Auntie Aroha. 34 minutes past six here on SCNZ. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for bit. I almost said for business because Izzy's cracking up laughing at me. I'm going to have to start. Sorry, I, I'm, I just have to because I know you're looking at me. <laughs> I'm going to have to start wearing a blindfold and, and doing these. Put a curtain uh, up. So look, here we go. I'm covering my eyes, boys. Power your business with Bunning Straight Power Pass. As we alluded to earlier, the All Black squad was named overnight. I'm going to read that out for you now to take on Uruguay. Uh, this Friday, 8am, you can catch all commentary live here on SCNZ. Uh, Dan McCarty and Kobe, Scotty Stevenson, Sammy Hewitt, uh, Ant Strawn, Cully, Marshy, they've all been doing a phenomenal job. So go ahead and listen to the commentary, 8am NZT on Friday. Right, boys, the team is take on Uruguay. Starting at one, Offa Tuanga Fussy in at two, Cody Taylor. In at three, Tyrell Lomax in at four, Samuel Whitelock. At five, Tupo Vai'i. At six, Shannon Frizzell. At seven, and returning as captain, Sam Kane. At eight, Luke Jacobson. Nine, Cam Royguard. Starting at ten, Richie Moanga. On the left wing, Lester Fyanganuku. In the midfield, the pairing of Geordie Barrett and Anton Leonard-Brown. Right wing, Will Jordan. And fullback, Damian McKenzie. So a stellar starting 15 for the All Blacks. Really excited to see what this team can do. Uh, I, d- I don't quite remember the last time we played Uruguay. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm not sure if... Maybe it's one of those ones where we actually <sighs> never have. Yes, I think it was. I think we played them before. I think it was maybe say two so. seven. Oh, I can't remember, but I'm sure we played them. I'll look that up. It's but been uh, a while. yeah, there you go. There's I think they used to wear all 15. blue, all blue outfit. This one, Uruguay. The, yeah, I think the yellow sense. and blue at the moment. But I think when we played yeah. them, they're all blue. Makes sense. Their football teams uh, reps all blue, but mm. that's as far as my Uruguayan knowledge goes. Um, but boys, uh, the All Blacks weren't the only ones making changes. Uh, South Africa have made a change to their squad, uh, calling in a winner from the 2019 World Cup, Lukanyo Arm. Mm. He's going to be joining uh, the South African squad to replace the winger, Ma Pimpi. Gutted for him, for Ma Pimpi, as, as, with my All Blacks glasses on, as gutted as I can be uh, for Ma Pimpi. But an excellent winger. He's unfortunately been ruled out of the World Cup. So Lucanio Arm joins the squad. He normally plays in centre, and he is uh, South Africa's second injury replacement after Andre Pollard, another World Cup winner four years ago, was brought in for Malcolm Marks. Mm. So uh, big news out of South Africa squad. Boys just adding uh, to their... Uh, reigning championship team, adding that uh, winning experience, how valuable is that going to be for them, Digger? It's be huge. Yeah, look, I'm in your arm as uh, as a quality player. So, look, uh, they just got absolute depth over in South Africa at the moment. World Cup experience, global experience. So, you know, when you're having a major injury like that, you're able to bring someone with such experience in class. Mate, they're just, they're the team to beat. And I'd be absolutely gutted. I'd be surprised if they missed out. Obviously, um, you know, plenty more to go on in that pool and see what happens, but uh, be surprised. Oh, so fascinating. Story Mm. of the day for me. If if Scotland can do the unthinkable and, you know, pull off that whatever it is, 10% chance, I think it is, of of likeliness of happening. And I've just had it from uh, my producer extraordinaire this week with me, Rabinho. Uh, we've never played Uruguay in a test match. We've never? No. So we, we may have played them unofficially back in the day, but in terms of a test match, an, an official game of rubber union, we've never played Uruguay. So uh, here we go, setting the standards. It's a clean slate for Uruguay. So 
if they get up and do the unthinkable, they'll have a 100% win record against the All Blacks. Imagine saying that. Uh, and just to round us out, boys, uh, just a reminder of uh, the story from Triple Threat. At the present, there are two options for Dallin Watini Zelezniak in terms of the Pacific Rugby League Championship beginning later this month. The first would mean minor surgery, which rules mm. him out. The second would keep him on the field, albeit in the red of Mate Ma'atonga. So Dallin's made it clear that he's not going to be representing the Kiwis. Uh, so it's either it's going to be a little bit of a coin flip, boys, of, of where he goes. Um, I'm sure a few of our listeners out there will be hoping that he stays in the in the Kiwis black and, and takes that surgery. But if, if Dallin goes uh, and suits up for Mate Ma'atonga, very exciting things for the uh, Pacific Cup. Just on that, Kempe, <clears throat> we know how important the Pacific Islands are, particularly for the NRL and New Zealand Rugby League. But is that really put in the spotlight on actual the depth in New Zealand for rugby league? When you lose a player like that, we are struggling. When you lose Sean Johnson, we are struggling. When someone else is out in the yeah, hooker look, role, we are struggling. Yeah, I, I think that's what the Pacific Nations is going to do to New Zealand. It's uh, because they haven't worked really hard in that space at retaining mm. a lot of our Kiwis um, and that and that branded jersey, which is iconic for me. Um, the way that the Tongans and the Samoans over the, I would say the last 13 years, since 2010, they started working on this, have basically built a bigger brand. And Samoa go to the World Cup final last year, G, uh, grand final last year, and Tonga have beaten each one of the tier one nations. So, um, mate, they, they're, they're a real threat to New Zealand rugby league, the Pacific Nation sides. Uh, not one just on the football field, but off it as well. Because a number of our boys that have historically been involved in the, in the New Zealand side um, have come from the Pacific Islands. A, a good op, a, you know, again, is a something that's happened uh, to rugby league that rugby union should be looking at. Because I can see the same thing happening with the All Blacks. Mm. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, speaking of All Blacks, double eight, double three. James has texted through on the Temper Bed Post text machine. Apologies, didn't read out the reserves. Here we go. I'll leave you with them, boys, uh, with your headlines. Thanks to Bunnings Trade. Uh, starting on the bench at 16, Samasoli Tokiaho, Tamaiti Williams, Fletcher Newell, Scott Barrett, Ethan Blackadder, Finlay Christie, Bowden Barrett, and Caleb Clark. So that rounds out your All Blacks 23. Very exciting uh, for the first official test against Uruguay. Trades and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Thank Be- you, boys. Beautiful, kids. Thank you very much. And thank Thanks for that answer, Kempe. We'll, we'll carry that conversation on because it's an interesting one, isn't it? You see, we want to help our Pacific Islands out, but is that uh, at the, the consequence of depleting our very own backyard? But hey, there's many more to go under the bridge right now. We'll shoot off, we'll come back. We've got Sam Burgesson for our Love Racing coming up. Yes, it's 6.46, and you can call us anytime, 0800 150 811. It's time for our Love Racing catch-up, find a thoroughbred, Race day at events.loveracing.nz. We've been joined by Sam Burgesson this morning. Sammy, how are you this morning, mate? Been up nice and early? Yeah, morning can be, yeah. Nice, fresh morning here at Matamata. It's uh, good to get some fine weather. Jeez, we had a, got hammered by the rain like the whole country last week. But, yeah, it looks, look like looking like it's lining up for, for Saturday's races, so looking good. Yeah, mate, it's uh, a little bit of sad news. Sharp and Smart being rested for the rest of the spring, obviously, uh, with that viral infection. Uh, just on Tokyo Tycoon, mate, he just didn't handle the ground. How'd he pull up? Yeah, it's, uh, 
obviously, um, yeah, it was pretty testing there at Hastings. And once they got the rain on the day, uh, the track just got really loose. Uh, Opie said he, he just never felt comfortable in the ground. Um, he just he, And he just couldn't accelerate on it. Um, yeah, he, he pulled up pretty tired, like looking at the tie-ups um, there after the race. And then the next morning, um, yeah, he, he was a very tired, tired horse, obviously. He's probably not the biggest, um, but, but he just gives everything. So, look, um, you know, he, he weighed in even pretty light for him also. So I, I think it's now's a, a really good time to give him a quick freshen up, um, get him out on the grass. Obviously, the weather's warming up, doing the world a good um, few weeks in a paddock, and, and then we'll bring him back and hopefully build him towards that crack a million at the end of January. Yeah, get him, get him right, Sammy. He's a fantastic horse to watch. Imperatriz, mate, you guys got over that yet? Two, two Friday nights at the Valley. How good is she? Yeah, she's just an amazing train of form at the moment. Um, yeah, uh, like it's sort of hard to hard to describe. Um, you know the feeling, and obviously, we, like a lot of the staff got got up to watch her at, at quarter past twelve um, Saturday morning our time. Um, so in the middle of the night, and then it's sort of hard, hard to go back to sleep after it, and, it's, and then it's nearly time for work. So yeah, just, just a, a massive buzz for everyone involved. Um, yeah, it's so awesome to obviously see see the Kiwi horses um, over there performing well on on the biggest stage. So yeah, that's obviously the Australian Group Ones are sort of you know the pinnacle for us. Um, so yeah, to see her go over there. Um, and perform like that. It's just an amazing, amazing buzz. Sam, what what mountain did Sam and Hillary climb? <laughs> Ever, yeah. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Um, <laughs> but what about a pear tree is going to climb that mountain? Oh, no. Nah. So, sorry, boys. Nah, no, no chance, unfortunately. Um, yeah, like, um, <laughs> obviously, like, she's sort of, she's sort of taken a, a bit of managing the whole way lo- along, um, She's, I think she's settled really well into Melbourne. Um, she's really happy there, and just just the spacing of her races and, and things like that in Melbourne, with no travel or well, limited travel, you know, it, it just really suits her. So not 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 at this stage, sorry, T. Well, t- talking about climbing mountains, we've got to try and climb one starting today to fill Wizzy's pocket, Sammy, because uh, you've got a big week leading up. Starting at Tauranga, you've got Matamata on the weekend along with Harwater. You've got some good horses running. Uh, she turns heads in the races today at Tauranga. How's your how's your uh, your team looking for uh, the trip today? Yeah, good. Like I think the one barrier draw really suits her. Um, she, she was really good first up. Here on the home track, she just unfortunately drew wide that day and got caught wide um, and, and just got run down the sort of the last 100 metres. Uh, but her work uh, since has been really good. Um, I think she, she, yeah, she really deserves the win. She's been so consistent um, as a two-year-old and now, and now back as a three-year-old. Um, and if she was to run, you know, really well, it, it would be quite good if we could somehow sneak her down to, to that 1,000 guineas um, and cut week down in Christchurch, but yeah, you know, she'd probably need a win today, and then we can map out a plan for there. But yeah, she, she presents a really nice chance today. Yeah, Bell of the Ball, mate. Her job's got uh, made a little bit harder in the Team Wellens Matter Matter Cup because you've just had, I think it was Legado, uh, has joined it along with Pierre. Is that right? Yeah, uh, Legado and, and yeah, and La, and La Creek. So, um, uh, La Creek. yeah, we, we might, yeah, we might actually, we probably might give that a miss and just run her in a. And a rating seventy-five mile. I just like all things being equal. It's probably hard to see her beating beating those two. So we might we might just look for the weaker option. Um, 
try to get a win or, you know, see her run well and then hopefully aim for black type a bit later on. And Cogniz, uh, Cognizanti, is that how you um, pronounce that, down in Harwater on Saturday? Uh, one of your younger your younger two-year-olds, what's that look like? Yeah, re- really like him. Um, yeah, re- just really happy with him. He's done, he's done everything well at home. Um, he, he had a jump out last week and, you know, Opie gave him the tick of approval and, and he worked really well on the course property yesterday. Um, so, you know, if he handles the travel and, and things like that down to Harwater, um, yeah, I, th- I think he'll be a, a really good chance on today. All right, Sammy, you know, mate, we come to you right at the end of the conversation. Give us your best for the week, Sammy. <laughs> oh, best of the week. I, I, I really like Cognoscenti. I, I, I honestly don't know what price he'll get on Saturday, but um, today I think um, she and his heads will be a really nice chance. And if you if you want a real a bit of a rough one for a dollar each way, Lady of Court maybe. Man. Lady of Court. Oh, good. Sammy Burgesson joining us this morning on Izzy Kempi for breakfast. Sammy, you go well, mate. It's, I'll tell you what, the sun's out just coming up up here in Kirikiri, so it's going to be heading your way. It's going to be a beautiful day today. Good luck at Tauranga. Uh, good luck on the cheers, weekend at Matamata and Hawara, and we'll talk to you soon, Sammy. Go well. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There you go. Grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz. Find a race day near you and get your pockets full. Izzy, there. Climb your own mountain, son. Cognacente <laughs> at Harwater on Saturday. Cognacente Tino or something like that. She turns heads, lady a court. So climb my own mountain, Kempi. Well, I was just wondering if they wanted to go climb that mountain. Everyone's wanting them to go was, climb that mountain. It was very good. It was very good for you, you know. I was thinking, where's, where's he going with this one? <laughs> Where's the Everest? Everyone, there's a couple of slots left. Like, come on. It's destroying yeah. them. Why not go get seven um, milli? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess, I guess the, you know, like they said, they'll probably pick that up anyway. Just just doing the, doing it their way. So, um, no, nah, good, always good to talk to Sammy. Such a good good young bloke and a great young trainer. We're going to hear his name in the in uh, years to come. Oh, for decades. Beautiful, Kempi. Thanks for that little update. Uh, plenty to get your teeth into in terms of punting. We'll be back shortly. Yes, welcome back. We're going to be talking some EPL with our Alex Brotherton uh, next in the next hour. We've also got plenty coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. We've got Steve Lancaster from NZRU. We've also got Paul Wilcox who's going to talk about an awesome promotion that they've got running for Love Racing, so appreciate that. Here we go, boys. Morena Brothers and other racing news. Looks like Copy That is out for the Spring Carnival as well from Brett Ray Green. See what he's been able to do over the last couple of years, Kempi. That's devastating news. Yeah, see, that's... Uh, yeah, it is, it's it's racing, I've got to mm. say that. Mm. You know, is it? It's racing when you've got something and you think, you know, you're traveling along really well and then all of a sudden, um, you went through that last year, mm. you know, with uh, with your boy. And, you know, they've had to put him out and give him a spell and, and let him come back. And that's what they say. You know, Sammy said that about Tokyo Tycoon. We'll spell him till Christmas, Kraka uh, Millions Day. And, uh, of course, Sharp and Smart, gone for the Melbourne Cup, out for the spring. Yeah, it's devastating. And the equine game, that's all in part and parcel of it. Realistically, only one of Ireland and Scotland can qualify. If it's not fixed, I can't see Scotland scoring around 50 points and Ireland scoring four tries in the same game. That is from Chris and Morena, guys. 
One bet for Izzy today, Taranga Race 7, number 8. Good luck and have a great day. Barry, super daisy. I've had a look at that. I've backed it before. It's gone no good, so I'll stay off it. Anyway, coming up, Alex Brotherton. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Yes, welcome back, Izzy Kempe for breakfast. SCNZ just after 7 o'clock. It's Tradies Hour with night and day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day. Well, just before I go grab my coffee, we'll have a catch-up with our man over in the north, Alex Brotherton, because we're going to be talking EPL. But I've got to do one more thing before we get to that. Who am I? Clue number two, no one's had a crack at it, so no one's got any idea. That's right, I took three clues. Three clues to get the answer. That's okay. I'll give you two and then see how you go. I'll give you clue number one again, all right? Here we go. Clue number one, I was born in Wellington in the 90s. Well, there's plenty of people born in the 90s in Wellington, so you got no chance there. And (laughs) have represented New Zealand at two Olympics. Double Olympian. No, just been a two. There you go. That is your clue number one. Clue number two, I went to high school in Greymouth before completing a diploma in sport in 2013. I went to high school in Greymouth before completing a diploma in sport in 2013. $100 Adidas golf voucher up for grabs. If you know the answer, double eight, double three, send them through. And we'll get that out to you if you are lucky enough to get the answer correct. A big hour ahead. But right now, let's have a catch-up. We spoke to him earlier. Alex Brotherton, here is now. Izzy Kempe for breakfast. And uh, we're joined by Alex Brotherton, freelance football writer for, and, uh, for over in the UK. And we want to talk some football, Champions League, the EPL, but also want to touch on the current state of football. And why fans are so passionate. They are, f- are passionate about the, the League One, the top leagues, but they're also passionate about teams that I've never even heard of. And Alex, you're just about to go and watch your local club side and it's potentially going to be sold out. Why are you so passionate about football when down under in New Zealand we are absolutely struggling to get any numbers to a professional, semi-professional competition, a major competition in New Zealand? Yeah, I think it's just, um, I think British people, it's just um, a lot more ingrained, I guess, in the in the kind of culture here than, than maybe it is in New Zealand. Um, you know, as, as we've seen with the with the Women's World Cup uh, kind of in, over the summer, you know, in Australia and New Zealand, soccer is becoming more popular. But I think here in recent years, just the, the price of Premier League football, how expensive it is, it's kind of driven people to go and watch local games a lot more. You know, it's cheaper. You can stand nearer the pitch. You can drink uh, alcohol if you want near the pitch, which you can't do in the in the Premier League. And, you know, you just get more of a feel for it. You can t- talk to the players. You know, you can sort of stand wherever you want. You don't have to sit in your seat. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just a, a way that I think a lot of fans of Premier League clubs in the UK uh, are getting close to the sport that they love without the sort of the expense and the, and the kind of hoops that they have to jump through these days. Um, so, yeah, non-league. Semi-professional football in the UK is, is is enjoying a really sort of good moment at the minute. Well, the top league, the EPL, you're, you're con- going to continue to have the numbers flow through there. They're seeing the best players in the world. But when you talk about the, the smaller clubs, 
Is there a real connection from the club to the community? Uh, what are they doing on the ground to have a real sense of pride in their teams locally? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, obviously, it varies from club mm. to club, but I can speak. Uh, I can speak for the for the club that I go and uh, go to watch West Didsbury and Cholton AFC. So they're a club from the south of Manchester, where I live. Um, and they're a very community-focused club. And bearing in mind, they're playing in the ninth tier of English football. So I don't even—I don't even know if there is a ninth tier in New Zealand. But but um, most clubs at that level in in England probably get you know maybe a hundred fans to a game, uh, whereas West Didsbury and Charlton are getting you know six hundred, seven hundred, sometimes a thousand fans at a game. And I think that's really because um, they're really connected with the community. They're doing fundraising for sort of social causes they're offering a kind of a, a sort of a safe space a very accepting tolerant atmosphere to perhaps groups um that don't always feel welcome sadly in professional men's football such as lgbt communities um and, and women and sort of families with younger children as well uh because you know top level football can be a very sort of um testosterone filled kind of male dominated space um so i think especially at that level there is a there's a real a real uh, ability for teams to connect with their community and attract sort of people that wouldn't necessarily go to football matches but you know they, they're quite happy to go to these kind of games um but yeah it's very very rooted in the local community alex you've got um just just to catch on that you've got you know this fa- this romance with owning a a EPL club, and you've got Jim Ratcliffe who's looking to buy twenty five percent of Manchester United still. But you also got people from outside the country like Justin Rees who's gone into Southend to 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 basically looks like bail them out. What what is the what is the the romance around owning owning a club in uh, the UK now? Is it just simply because you've got a chance to get in the EPL? Um. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think um, you know, there's not. I think I think there's just there's always been this kind of romance, hasn't there, with you know, perhaps buying a club or taking over a club lower down, and you know, working your way up through the leagues, um, and as you say, you know, trying to get to the EPL. Um, and yes, there's a lot of foreign ownership of of clubs in um, in in the Premier League, um, sort of, and there's the big debate about you know, kind of sovereign wealth funds and states um, and, you know, energy drink companies uh, buying teams and that kind of thing. But uh, lower down, you know, there's there's a real movement at the minute of fans coming together to own clubs. Um, you've got, you know, FC United of Manchester, um, lots of other sort of lower league clubs that have, their, their supporters just want to own their own club. They don't want to be at the mercy of, of some millionaire or billionaire that they never see. Um, but in terms of, you know, um, uh, the South End situation, you know, that's great. If it, they're a really historic team, they're on hard times. So if if, if the owner comes in uh, from Australia and, and does a does the right thing and gets the club back on their feet, then that can only be a good thing as well. All right, mate. Let's talk about the EPL Champions League. Manchester City started the year six and one. They are first. They suffered two losses in a row. They lost last week to Newcastle in the EFL Cup and lost in the league Monday to the Wolves. Is a back-to-back treble still a realistic goal for them this season? Yeah, I think um, they are the best team in the world, uh, and I think with the with the sort of the manager, obviously with Pep Guardiola, the quality of the players they've got, 
the 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 quality of football that we all saw them play last season. I don't think, you know, yes, as you say, they've lost twice in the last week. Mm. Um, but I don't think there's any reason yet. You know, we're not at panic stations. It's not crisis mode. There's no reason to suspect at this early stage of the season that you know they can't do go and repeat that. It's a huge ask because you know there's a reason why why no one's ever done the treble twice in a row. There's a reason why only two English teams have ever won the treble. It's incredibly it's an incredibly difficult achievement to pull off. So I don't chances are they won't do it again, but there's no reason why they can't. Um and they're not they're in a little bit of a, a sticky patch at the minute, but as they're still top of the Premier League table, they've only lost one game out of seven. They're in a decent place. Uh, and obviously they're in European action in the Champions League on Wednesday night. Um, so that'll be an interesting one to see how they get on uh, against RB Leipzig. That should be a, a decent game, a tough game, but an interesting one. Erlen Haaland, uh, obviously we know what he was able to do last year and he's been dominant figure for a very long time. But this year, are we expecting the same from Erling Haaland? Second year Blues potentially maybe on the cards? I mean, yeah, it's a... I, I, he scored eight goals in, in seven appearances so far. So if, if this is him having second year blues, then long way to continue. Um, but no, he's, there's been a few games so far this season, especially well, what, the, the defeat to Wolves at the weekend, Wolverhampton. That was one where he was a bit quiet, wasn't getting too involved, wasn't getting the service, barely touched the ball for, you know, those big periods of the game where he barely touched the ball. Um, and I think that's more perhaps a sort of systemic issue, tactical issue that Guardiola just needs to work out, you know, how best to, to give him the service that he needs to score goals because we all know now that if he gets to service nine times out of ten, he'll put the ball in the back of the net. Um, you don't break all the goal-scoring records by being a, a one-season wonder. He's shown that he's an incredible goal-scorer at Borussia Dortmund. He's shown it at City last season. And he's already showing it now. He's top of the goals, uh, goal charts for this season. Eight goals in seven games. So I don't think uh, I don't think anyone's worried about him sort of having a massive drop off this season. Yeah, absolute freak. Well, let's talk about that game: Liverpool and Spurs, two-one. Diaz's goal being ruled out. How ugly has it been up there in the UK, and especially now that uh, I think that that audio's come out, hasn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's been the well, you can't really look at the sports news without seeing that story over the last few days. It's um, it's completely dominated and rightly so, I guess, because you know it was not obviously these things happen, and it was um, it was a human error that resulted in the uh, the goal, the goal, the no goal decision not being overturned by the video assistant referees. But it's kind of highlighted that there is still problems with VAR um, and there needs to be much more transparency. Um, maybe the pro the, the issues with the referees understanding of when to, you know, you know, sort of step away from the protocol and go, you know what, we've made a really big human error here, a big mistake. Let's just intervene and put it right rather than mm. just carrying on because that's what they're supposed to do. Um, and yeah, you're right. I think I don't, I'm not sure if the audio has been released publicly yet, but Liverpool have been given the recording today um, and it is set to be released um, publicly as well. So I think that's that's the right di- direction to go. I think, you know, on the one hand, you've got to think, well, Darren England, the VAR official who's at the heart of this, um, it could turn into a pretty, well, it already has turned into a bit of a pile on on him. So you've got to think about his well-being because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, 
football's a game. It was a human mistake. It shouldn't have happened, but it did. Um, but I think also fans and teams um, do deserve the transparency of having these recordings so they can fully understand what happened rather than the kind of confusion that seems to have been happening over the last few days where people sort of not getting the, the full story. Um, so, yeah, I think it's probably a good thing that it comes out, but hopefully um, things can change and, and we can try and, you know, it's four years, I think, since VAR has been started to be used in uh, the Premier League and it's there's still major issues with it. So something something needs to change. Technology is a major part of sport today. We've got our own problems down here with the TMO, the bunker, particularly in rugby league and rugby union. Um, is it? Are we reliant too much on, on technology now, and it's kind of taking away from officials' actual officiating? Yeah, I think that is one of the issues because mm. I think in an ideal world. Um, the technology, you know, doesn't take away from the officiating. I think mm. it's it's the point of it is that it's there as a kind of, you know, a fail safe. If a mistake is made, the mm. technology comes in and corrects it. But I think what we have seen a lot of is that it's kind of used as a safety blanket too often. So you've seen in the Premier League that, you know, you'll see with just a small example, like linesmen won't flag for blatant offsides because they're worried that if it's wrong, it's too much of a faff or too much too much trouble to go and sort out. So they'll keep their flag down for a good five seconds after the, the play and then they'll raise it. And that just makes everyone exasperated and frustrated because they're just using the technology as a as a fail safe. They're, they're like, if something happens, at least we can then rule it out. So I think I think it's more of a, an issue perhaps of officials needing to learn how to use it better, maybe. Um, but I also see the other side of the argument where it it does take a little bit away from the spontaneity and the raw emotions of sport you know when supporters that are, are travel up and down the country spending hundreds and thousands mm. of pounds to watch their team celebrate a last minute goal and then there's kind of a pause of a minute to two minutes and then they realize it's been ruled out <laughs> um which is like it's just not really in keeping with with the real emotion and the real attraction of, of sport why everyone gets into a sport like football for those moments um, when they can be sort of retrospectively chalked off, it does leave a bit of a, a bitter taste in the mouth. So I wouldn't go as far as to say that technology is kind of ruining the sport, but I think the way that it's being used at the minute is not having, it's just not really good. It's, it's having a negative impact. So either it needs, uh, we need to find a way for it to not do that or it might just have to be scrapped altogether. Yeah, beautiful. Love that. Love that answer, Alex. So, all right, let's talk about quickly my team that I love supporting and I love watching, but they've been struggling as of late. Manchester United, only one spot above Chelsea, sitting tenth. Got beaten by Crystal Palace two games in a row. They also have issues with Jadon Sancho, who they paid eighty-five million pounds for. His voice, he wants to return to Borussia Dortmund. Un- unhappy. Under Ten Hag, what's going on, there, mate? Uh, yeah, so obviously, well, United have had their worst start to a <laughs> to a league season in thirty four years, I believe. Um, yeah, it's it's a strange one because when Eric, obviously Eric Ten Hag, uh, it, last season was his first season in charge, and there was a lot of positive things going on. He was getting the team playing more in his style after after a rocky start. They got to the FA Cup final. They won the EFL Cup. Um, but this season, it, it's kind of felt they've gone back a couple of steps. Um, 
I don't think the the sort of their dealings in the transfer window really helps. They a few of their deals were completed late on. Rasmus Hoyland, the new striker, was injured when he arrived, so he didn't really have a preseason. He started playing now. Uh, Sofian Amrabat was a player they were linked with pretty much from some point last season, and they didn't even sign him until deadline day this summer. So, and and even then, it's only on a loan. So he was a player they really needed. Came in late. It's all very disorganised. There seems to still be a disconnect between what Eric Ten Hag wants to do and what the the sort of the board, the sort of the higher ups at United are willing to sort of sanction the players they're willing to go with, um, the direction they want to take. And I guess you mentioned before with Jim Ratcliffe um, still interested in a minority stake, this all sort of trickles down from the, the ownership issue, which, you know, no one really knows still what's happening. The players don't know who's if the club's going to change hands. You know, that affects their transfer business. It's not good for Ten Hag. You know, he wants a stable environment to do his work. So it's all just a bit of a mess, really. Um, and as you say, with the Jaden Sancho situation hasn't helped either. He had a falling out with um, with Ten Hag. I think it was back at the end of August. He um, he was left out of United's squad when they played away at Arsenal. They lost that match 3-1. Ten Hag said afterwards that the reason was because he hadn't trained properly. Then Sancho came out on social media, gave a statement which basically said that's not true. He said that he'd been used as a scapegoat since he joined the club in 2021. Uh, and since then, he hasn't been involved for United. He's been made to train by himself. He's been banned from the first team facilities. Um, and Ten Hag has sort of repeatedly said that, well, it's up to him. If he wants to come back into the group, he kind of has to prove that, you know, he's kind of... Um, his attitude is better, that he's tra- going to train better, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so it's it's all a bit of a mess, really. Um, and yeah, it's very frustrating for Manchester United fans, I can imagine, um, because they've spent an awful lot of money this summer to give Ten Hag some of the mm-hmm. tools that he needs, and it's not really working. And now on a Tuesday, they've got a potentially tough Champions League match against Galatasaray, there will be no pushovers uh, and there's the extra narrative of Wilfred Zaha returning to Old Trafford <laughs> um, a decade after he went there and didn't uh, didn't really impress too much. So that'll be an interesting one to keep tabs on for sure. Well, the miss starts at the top with the Glazer family. We've heard what's been going on with him and uh, potentially might be a change of ownership, might be uh, for the good of Manchester United. Alex Brotherton, we appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much, mate. You take care and uh, hopefully we can catch up with you again soon. Enjoy the club game. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's Tradies Hour on Easy and Kimpy for Breakfast. Warm up with a hell of a coffee from $4.50 from your local night and day. Well, speaking about warming up with a hell of a coffee, I've just got my first coffee, and if you thought there was anything to go by, watch me in this next hour and a half, I'm on. I'm absolutely on. So uh, stay with us. we great to catch up with Alex Brotherton, talking EPL, and uh, kind of touching on the VAR, you know, the, the little bit of a debacle over there, Tottenham, uh, Liverpool, and we've got a Liverpool tragic in our studio, and he just cannot let it go, and he's got some footage. So 2D line on the boot. I'll, I'll check in. complete. Check complete. It's fine. Perfect. Thank you, mate. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh, the on-field decision was offside. Are you, are you happy with this? Yeah. 
Are you happy with this? Offside decision is a goal. Yeah. That's, no, that's what it does. What? On-field decision was offside. Are you happy with this image? Yes, yeah, onside. The image we gave him is onside. Left back. He's played. He's yeah. gone offside. Delay, delay. Oh, boys, I'm only going to play the first cl- uh, half of that clip there because it's uh, more so for my sanity and my sake. But uh, if you couldn't understand what was going on there, fair <laughs> enough, because uh, on first uh, listen, I had absolutely they no idea what was going it, on. Uh, that's, the, that's the problem, Kenvi. So we finally have a bit of clarity. We finally understand what went on uh, during Liverpool-Tottenham last week. Luis Diaz's goal was ruled for offside. VAR, Israel, he's doing this to wind me up because I've shown you the footage and it's clear as daylight. And VAR has admitted multiple times that they were wrong. So basically what happened, they brought up the uh, the technology and there's an animation where you can put lines on the field and that's how you decide if someone's offside or not. You yeah, bring the line offside. up to the last defender. Israel stopped doing this Sorry. because, you know, people out there listening, they can't see. So you're actually giving them false information okay. here. That is well on. <laughs> no, okay. So we'll stop messing about. He was genuinely well on side. So they brought the lines up, found out that Romero, he was the last foot, meaning Diaz was on side. The referee misunderstood uh, what the VAR was saying. The VAR was saying they're onside, they're onside. Referee heard offside. So he continued the game, meaning there's absolutely no way that they could bring it back for uh, a goal. And so that's what happened. Stop uh, the game. Just, stop the game. So being I'll, said I'll all the play time. the full Delay clip. the game. I'll play the full clip during headlines just, just after we catch up with Ansi Aroha. But you can hear, yeah, at the end of the clip, the, the VAR is instructing the referee, delay the game. You need to stop the game. We need to get this decision right. Uh, but unfortunately, the referee decided to, to play on and, and play, you know, ensued. And, and what happened happened. Liverpool walked away with a loss when uh, actually they potentially could have walked away with a draw. You know, so at the end of the day, that's what I've accepted, Dagger, for your sake. You know, I, I don't think we would have won that game. So a, a draw would have been the best ability. So I guess I got to let it go. One point to zero point. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. But we'll we'll dive into that clip a little bit more just after Aroha. Appreciate it, Kez. Thanks for that. Uh, speaking of Aroha, Aroha, here she is with the news for Kubota together shaping and building New Zealand. 33 minutes past seven. You're listening to SENZ as Ian Kempi for breakfast. Bringing you some headlines. Thanks to our good friends at Kennards Hire. Boys, do Kennards make trade easy? Kenoth they do, absolutely. Kenoth. Now, if you weren't listening before the news, uh, it's finally come out. The Liverpool v Spurs debacle, the offside by Luis Diaz, has been officially ruled out. Uh, the result will stay 2-1. There's absolutely no way they can replay the game. Uh, so we're going to have to bite it uh, where it hurts. Now you know and, how Warriors fans it. feel. I do. I do mm. indeed. I understand the uh, subconscious bias towards, All Blacks fans. towards Spurs. Uh, do you reckon more's going to come from this in terms of the VAR? I think so. I think VAR is going to have to go undergo mm. serious changes because I'll play the clip to you in just a second, but it's just shambles upstairs. There's too many voices. Yeah. There's I couldn't too even understand who was talking. No. Just, get rid, they, just get rid of it. So in the official video that they've posted alongside uh, this, this audio that I'm about to play you here, uh, there's these little captions and it's got VAR official referee uh, Ollie who who was upstairs working with the VAR they were showing captions we just had no idea mm. who was saying what so imagine how the referee on field uh, yeah. feels he's made a decision he's brought the goal back for offside uh, chaos and shoes and and we're left with the situation where 
uh, myself and, and I know Daniel McCarty who's filling in for Smithy. He'll be he'll be livid as well, being a fellow Liverpool fan. But we'll just we'll just play this audio dagger and we'll play it out in full. It's it's just a minute long, so bear with us. But try and just keep up and put yourself in the referee's shoes. Imagine you got that whistle in your mouth. You've just blown a goal for offside. This is what happens in your ear. So two D line on the blue. Uh, check in. complete. Check complete. It's fine. Perfect. Thank you, mate. Wait, 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 wait. The on-field decision was offside. Are you are you happy with this? Yeah. Are you happy with this? Offside decision. Goal. Yeah. That's, no, that's what it does. What? On-field decision was offside. Are you happy with this Never image? Yes, yeah, onside. The image we gave you is onside. Left back. He's played. He's yeah. gone offside. Delay, delay, delay. They're yeah. only saying to delay. Only saying to delay. Pardon? Oddly's calling in to say delay the game. To, to complete the decision yeah. is also. Ollie's saying to delay. Ollie's saying to delay. Ollie? Yeah. Who's Ollie? Stop the game. They've restarted the game. Yeah, they've restarted. Can't do anything. No. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. So there you go. Oh no, they're packing themselves mm. now. They're packing themselves. So as you can hear, the referee decided to move on with the game, play on. He thought the uh, VAR upstairs said offside, not onside, meaning his uh, on-field decision was completely How many in the VAR incorrect. room? Well, that's what I'm trying to work out because there's this, there's this Ollie guy that they keep referencing, mm. isn't it? I- imagine how confusing that would be if, if you're the referee You've got all these people upstairs, you know, telling you that you've made the wrong decision. They're telling you to stop the game after you've made the executive call to play mm. it on. I mean, this, this, the, the repercussions from this have got to be large for, for the Premier League and, and for VAR itself. But it's just, to me, it's, it's absolute raucous. And, and as the referee, I can completely understand why initially he made the wrong call. But for me, the problem is playing on. Restarting the game at, at that sort of speed, he rules it offside. They bring it back. Spurs continue the game. You know, mm. if you're gonna make the the decision to go upstairs and and right this wrong, you've got to allow time for the VAR to pull up their animations for them because it's, it's all it's all human done. You know, these mm. these lines that show if you're offside or, or not, they they don't necessarily show up themselves. You know, a human still has to instruct these things. That's a problem for me, it, 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 and it does just sort of prove down the line that maybe it's not the technology, mm. maybe it is human error. Human error. Yeah, there's too many voices, and Dan's come through on our chat group, think it is the assistant VAR telling the head VAR if they should delay. So interesting, Kez. Obviously not ideal in terms of technology and too many voices having their say out there. Confusion has caused a bit of an uproar over in the EPL. Thank you so much, Kez. You got any more? No, I don't actually. Uh, I thought, yeah, we'd just we'd go to a break because I know Kempi's gotten off the back fence doing. Oh, I just saw it pop through in my email a couple of hours ago, and you know the juices start flowing. Started reading it, but I thought, no, you know what? I'd save it because it's too good. Do tradies deserve special treatment at their local Ken Arts High yeah, Branch? Really? Ken Oath, they do. Do I deserve special treatment for being a Liverpool fan? Apparently not. Thank you, VAR. <laughs> well, Kizzy's got a full, uh, Ke- um, Kempi's got a full voice, bo- voice box. Kempi's got a full voice box because he's been parked up for the last 38 minutes. So let's go and get back with Kempi off the back fence after this. Yes, you're listening to Zen Kempi for breakfast. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day.
the back fence with Tony Kemp. Well, the story that leads the conversation of rugby league today is that of Nathan Cleary and his status in the game. Is he the GOAT? And should he be given an immortal title at the ripe old age of 25? But what people aren't talking about are the efforts of some of his teammates, who, without their input in the final 20 minutes of the grand final, would have heard us talking about how average Cleary was for 60 minutes of that final instead of immortality comparisons. Does anyone remember this guy coming on the pitch? Jack Cogger. Jack was given the bench spot ahead of Tyrone Peachy, who must have felt hard done by given his finish to the back end of the, of the year. I'm picking Jack was considered a better option for cover for Jerome Luai's dodgy shoulder. And wasn't that a masterstroke by the coach, Ivan Cleary? When Luai went off, it was Cogger who came on and moved into first receiver and released the chains that were on a stagnant Cleary pushing him out to second receiver. Cogger, for me, is the real unsung hero of the grand final, and without the decision to give him the bench spot, would have seen Penrith, in my belief, lose the grand final. And if Cleary needs security as the GOAT, then don't forget the Kiwi Bruce brothers either, Fisher, Harris and Leota. The return to the field of play around the same time as Cogger's injection gave Penrith the momentum for Cleary to walk the stairs to grand final heaven. Yes, Cleary was great, but Cogger, Fisher, Harris, and Leota had him getting there upon their shoulders. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Beautiful, Kempy. Thank you so much. I think I was reading a stat that when Fisher Harris was off, they were 18 points to nil. And when he was on, I think it was 26 points that they scored with him on there. So you just know how influential he is at the moment in that combination partnership with Leota. They were so, so good. You did right. You know, Nathan Cleary for 57 minutes was average, was poor. And, um, you know, missed a, a few tackles, particular, particularly on Ezra Mam when he scored a couple of tries. Shooting out of line, just kind of got beaten with good footwork and was under pressure. But, man, the sign of a good player, 57 minutes and you could just, you know, throw your toys in the basket and just pack up and say this is game over. Like Ivan Cleary spoke about, he thought it was, they were done. But no, a class player finds a way. And when you set up a try, Leota's first try, uh, Leota's try, Nathan Cleary set that up and then come straight from that kick of 40-20 and then continue on to just create havoc out there. Well, it just shows the class of a 25-year-old. So, yeah, oh, I don't think you give it to him yet, but if he keeps continuing on, this will be an easy debate and conversation to have. But Jack Cogger, you never really think about that, Kempe. Jack Cogger's influence, you think Luai goes off, no. they're done. But then Jack Cogger comes in. Like, what well, was it about you. that relationship and that partnership that, that worked and had so, so much success when he went on? Well, I think if Luai stays on, they lose the grand final. Mm. Luai was just, you know, he kept calling, over-calling the ball and, you know, going down that left edge and there was just nothing on and Cleary couldn't get himself in. He was still carrying that knee injury that he got from Haas's, um well, you could call it a flop on the back of his legs in the first 10 minutes and he, he just sort of wasn't right. But then when Cogger came on, he released him. He put him out one spot. He just got organised and he did exactly what Cleary needed him to do, which was just make sure that they were moving the team around and getting him the football in the hands when he needed it. Um, here's one for you. I, if I was the Warriors, I would go and sign Jack Cogger. Mm. One, he's played a grand final already. He's a young kid. He's up and coming. He ain't, get, he, you know, he ain't getting in that Penrith side. And I'd give him, I'd give him the, the jersey of Sean Johnson's when he retires at the end of next year. 
And I think if they can go in and in for Jack Cogger now, I, I reckon there'll be a number of clubs looking at Jack Cogger um, going forward, especially after that step up that he made into that grand final. He's the unsung hero, mate, of that game. If you go back and watch it again, when he comes on, the whole momentum shifts. And you're dead right about Fisher-Harris and, and Leota. Once again, mm. you know, all the points were scored when they were off. They come back on, they steady the ship, they go forward, and Cogger's injection going back over the advantage line with Nathan Cleary throws that dummy, goes through, puts Leota in, throws another dummy, goes and scores underneath um, the post himself and um, sets Crichton up down that left edge with that with that one-on-one um, pass. So I, I just, I'm just sitting here going... Well, we need a replacement here at the Warriors at number seven. I think the the number seven is Jack Cogger. Well, I think, just, we, I think we need to go in. We've Ball's just done all. some investigating, Kempe. He's going to your team, Newcastle Knights, at the end of the year. Well, now, Jack Cogger. They've signed him. Another one that got away. They've signed him already. Mm. Another one. Yep. Well, the Newcastle Knights, they'll be over the moon with mm. um, getting, getting him on board. He's... Uh, yeah, mate, one to watch for uh, in the future. Oh, look, I just think it's a little bit premature to be talking about Nathan Cleary as, yeah. as better than all of those others. I know they're talking about his age, but realistically, you know, that. And yes, they got away with that grand final, and it was a lot to do with Nathan's uh, last 20 minutes. But for 60 minutes of the game, mate, he was struggling. And I just think you've got to, if you're putting those GOAT performances and you think about being an immortal, it's about an 80-minute. Um, performance, and I know a lot of people are going to say, mm. you know, it, it was a, a great game for me. It should be considered, but I just think it's a bit premature because, for me, you know, Cooper Cronks, the Johnses, the Thurstons, and that—that's the way ahead. Mm. Love it, Kempe. Just, just quickly before we get off, uh, the Panthers. Everyone talks about a legacy, a dynasty. They're waiting for them to fall over. Can we see them falling over in the in the next couple of years with the squad that they got? No. Nah. No. No, not at all. Not not with the development that they have too in West Sydney. Um, you know, they've got that performance centre. And if you have go back and have a look at uh, the players that are playing together, they've been playing together since they were 15, mate. Mm. You know? So, you know, they've got to, you've got to think about where the next crop that comes through, that's the model. And they're just going to be, you know, you lose Curacao and Kukau last year, you bring back in, um, you know, a, uh, Sorensen and Kenny into the hookers, and and they just don't miss a beat. They they go again. So they lose Crichton. They're gonna they're gonna f- find another big hmm. um, centre and and slot him in there. Um, and and they'll just ca- and they'll just carry on. It's whether or not other teams can keep with them. You know, over the next ten years, I think I think that we could be looking at a dynasty um, through at least the twenties anyway. Beautiful, Kempe. Thank you uh, so much for that off-the-back fence. In regards to Nathan Cleary, Jack Cogger, he's off to the Newcastle Knights and the Penrith Panthers. Do you think Nathan Cleary has done enough already, 25 years of age, to be considered an immortal? And could he become an immortal this this early? I know it's it's a chat that's very debatable, but we'd love to hear from you on the Temper Bed Post text machine, double eight double three. Or be brave and give us a call, 0800 150 811 anytime. All right, Kempe, appreciate that. We'll shoot off. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. It's Tradies Hour on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Warm up with a hell of a coffee from $4.50 from your local night and day. 
Yes, what a trade is out. It was, we're talking, leak off the back fence, a bit of EPL and VAR situation. I'm sipping on a nice coffee from night and day, $4.50. How good, cheap as chips, and it tastes bloody good too. Anyway, uh, we've got a big hour ahead. Steve Lancaster coming up. <laughs> we're going to be um, having a chat about this uh, situation with the Ramfurly Shield. And what's going on there? And then we've got Paul Wilcox with an awesome promotion that we want to talk to you about and give uh, someone a chance to head to Japan. How good would that trip be? Poo-wee. Stay tuned mm. for that. But uh, messages coming through, and I asked the question, is Nathan Cleary, can, can he be considered the GOAT? An immortal already. At the young age of 25, he is only 25 and he's done so much in such a young career already. So I would love to hear from you on double eight double three. But Steve has come through, Kempi. Kia ora, lads. If you're rating Nathan Cleary and Fisher-Harris as a decent human, being based on Fisher-Harris antics post-finals for the second year running, I would take Nathan Cleary every day of the week and twice on a Sunday. That's from Steve. In regards to the antics post that, what's your take on it, mate? These boys are allowed to breathe, aren't they? Yep. No, that, that's exactly right. You know, the, um, I guess when you, you've won a grand final, the, the biggest game of the year, there, there are people's eyes on you and there's little bits and pieces that you're going to do. He's, he's referring to what he said um, about who's your daddy last year. Mm. And, you know, I haven't actually caught up with what he's done this year, uh, Fisher-Harris. No, the CEO said he had laryngitis. The CEO said he had laryngitis, but he didn't. Just, just kept the mic off him. <laughs> Kept <laughs> um, yeah, mate, young kid from Northland. I I think you know him and him and Fra- uh, Francis Leo- um, him and Leota especially were um, absolutely outstanding. And and you think about it, and from the Kiwis' perspective, how, how good to have our two Kiwi front rowers sitting there, uh, leading leading that uh, that half back around. I get, I guarantee you, if you ask Nathan Cleary what 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 he would need to win a competition, he would hmm. say, "I need two big, mean front rowers," and he's got exactly that. What's Cleary done in Origin from Miles? He's done nothing in Origin. Well. See the the thing with it is well he hasn't done anything in the kangaroos either that's mm. why you can't talk it yeah um, immortality status so he he gets a shot in front of Daly Cherry Evans in the Pacific Nations but you know he's won the World Cup as a reserve halfback but he's got a lot more to do um, than what Cronk Thurston and Johns has got beautiful Kempi appreciate that keep those messages coming through absolutely I love your passion through the temper bedpost text machine the shield should be rich treated with more respect what is going to be done about this situation. I hope there will not be a cover-up. Well, there won't be. Steve Lancaster is going to come on the show. He's coming in the studio soon. If he doesn't, I'll go drag him out of NZR headquarters. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Yes, welcome back. Izzy Kempe for breakfast. SCNZ just after 8 o'clock. Good tune to bring you into the 8 o'clock hour. <laughs> I hope you're up and you're flying. I've just had a coffee and I can see Steve Lanks Lancaster walking down. He's got a bit of a bit of a frown on his face. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming, Lanks. You get in here, mate, and we'll chat to you soon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, who am I? Clue number three. I was part of a World Cup winning team in 2021 and released an autobiography in 2022. $100 Adidas golf voucher up for grabs. Keep them coming on double eight double three. Many of you have got it. Many of you have well off it.
But that's all right, keep them coming, and we'll announce that winner at the end of the show. And it's a big welcome in to the man, Steve Lancaster. Here you go, Lanks. Good, 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 good. Uh, we've been talking EPL, we've been talking league, we've been talking about a horse racing. And I know it's been a big week for you, mate. Wasn't the week I had planned. Ah, uh, I bet. I bet, but that's what we do in NZR. We adapt and adjust and evolve, and uh, would have been a bit of that this week, mate. Um, how's everything? Yeah, it's been, um, as I say, it wasn't the week uh, week we'd planned to have. Uh, pretty disappointed to um, yeah, hear about the damage to the shield on Sunday evening and, and then you know, um, obviously be dealing with that on Monday. Uh, and, and what's, you know, I mean, obviously it's really, really disappointing in terms of the damage and the other stuff that's gone on, but actually it's also taken away attention from what was a great mm. weekend of rugby like that was a great game and it wasn't the only yep. great game over the weekend so you know we should be talking about close games and heading into the playoffs not talking about repairing the Ranfurty Shield. It was a great great game and the competition has been great as well so you look at the the spotlight on the competition we we're struggling to get numbers through and then all of a sudden everyone wants to be a part of the conversation because of that treasured tonga mm. the Ranfurty Shield so it would have been a big week for you personally Hawks Bay the messages have you had a ton of messages, people getting in contact in regards to what's gone on. Yep, yep. Past players, uh, people that have been a part of the history. All, all of that. Uh, my old first 15 coach got in touch with me. Mm. So uh, that, you know, that, that tells you just how, how widely felt this is. Uh, people I've worked with over the years, people I've played with, um, just people that have been associated with the game. Uh, and, we've, and we've had people uh, contacting NZR mm. directly through the info line. So this is really widely felt. And I guess on, you know, on the bright side, it shows how much people still care about the Shield and, and the esteem it's held in. Um, but yeah, as I say, just you know, we can't, can't hide our disappointment with what we're dealing with. Hey, Steve, it's Kempe, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning. We spoke to Jay yesterday down in Hawke's Bay, um, who alluded to a conversation that was had around the effect that the Shield has when it's been put back out in the community we've all seen it you know in our in our little rural towns where it comes along on a on a float and you get to you get to take your photo with it and put your hands on it um and he said that you guys actually talked about whether it needed to be used in that way last year and and you agreed to do it where do you sit now with the shield being broken um and with the shield going back into the community is it is it going to look different moving forward yeah, we, we haven't we haven't contemplated that yet, Kempe. I mean, clearly we need to give some consideration to that going forward. There's going to be a little bit of time before the shield is repaired, and so we, we're not rushing um, those deliberations. But uh, as Jay said to you yesterday, you know, it was uh, front of, forefront of our consideration was ensuring that the shield remains something that's accessible to communities that people can touch and hold and have photos with. And I, I, you know, I'd hate to think that, that that changes. I don't. I don't think that it will. But clearly, we're going to have to consider the protocols around the environments it's in, uh, how it's handled at certain times. But I think it would be a real shame if if it wasn't something that still um, circulates amongst our communities and that people can have a tangible relationship with. Steve, obviously, Jay come on, he said it was a genuine accident and we've got to take his word and the player's word. There was a, a person that, that was there that was sober and, and obviously seen it all unfold. But it was post that that's real, where the real concerns are. Are those concerns felt at NZR? Massively. Hmm. Yeah, we're, 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 we're really concerned uh, by the, the events subsequent to the damage occurring. So... Um, uh, you know, to that to that end, we we, we have initiated an investigation uh, into the the subsequent events. You know, mm. and the the damage is done uh, in terms of breaking the shield, and yep. 
accidents happen. Now, yeah, there can be contributing factors to, to those accidents, but, but ultimately accidents happen. Um, but the, the subsequent behaviour and, and images um, are, are more concerning, frankly. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're looking into that now. Look, it's um, obviously a difficult time to, to get through this. Um, well, Kempi's touched on the changing landscape. What about the landscape in terms of on the field? Will that be different in terms of how the, the shield will be played for, you know, the the kind of way it's it's been held in such regard in the, in the rugby community? I hope not. Mm. You know, it's, I mean, it's hard to say, right? That's mm. speculative, really. But I hope not. And if anything, I hope that what this does is just reaffirms to everybody how important this thing is, how much people care about it, um, and and actually it puts it, you know, puts it right back on the pedestal where it belongs. The, Steve, the 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 I guess the post breaking of the shield and the and the social media and you know substance. It looks like substance on the shield and and players and all sorts of we you know you don't know who was in the room or or all that sort of stuff. What what is the NZR doing to sort of I guess mitigate that happening again? Um, and I mentioned the players' association yesterday. Have they been a part of the conversation around player behaviour? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, obviously we're investigating what's happened over the weekend, and, and we're not we're not jumping to any conclusions there, but. Um, yeah, there is a lot of measures in place to ensure that players are educated and understand um, what's expected of them as as professional athletes and role models. Um, we have extensive um, education programs. We have personal development program, uh, which is a partnership between ourselves and the Players Association. The RPA have been working closely with us since Sunday uh, on this current issue, but. Um, over the long term, you know they're, they're really close working partners of ours in educating our players and ensuring that that they do understand uh, what's expected of them, what's appropriate. And look, by and large, um, that that works really well, right? So you know, I mean, mm. yeah, of course we're talking about this incident, but it's one incident across the season. Um, and so you, you know, if you if you if you look across the rest of the game, you would have to say that a lot of those measures and programs are really effective. Yeah, uh, just a, a, a thought here, Steve, because we're talking about you know there's conversation around unions, what's working, what's not working. Um, does the NPC need to come back? You know, you know uh, unions uh, running themselves broke. Was there consideration, or will there be consideration in the future to set criteria such as things like this happening to to sort of um, if we're mitigating this type of behaviour, having a having a, a serious effect on a union. Um, that is, is a way forward to make sure that unions are pulling their side of the bargain as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the you know, the, fu- the future of the competition is is a separate issue to to mm-hmm. this issue. Um, but you know, in the likes of in the, you know, well, in the case of a Hawks Bay, I mean, they're a, they're a really sound, uh, well run um, union. So um, I, you know, I don't think this reflects any any underlying issues within the union itself. In fact, probably quite the opposite. Social media. <laughs> you know, it's, it has its place in the community, in our lives, but it can be the downfall of, of many. Uh, is there much education going out to these players in regards to social media? Like, what's the work you're doing uh, at, back in the teams in regards to what goes on in the social media space? Yeah, plenty of plenty of education. As I said, um, you know, mm. with the, the, the through the personal development program, through the programs that we run with the RPA, 
um, you know, Drug Free uh, Sport NZ are another partner in all of this. Um, you know, team managers are, are well educated um, in regards to all this, and and man- manage this. I mean, you've been in those environments, as you know. There's mm. you know, there's pretty robust protocols and processes put in place, and so you know, again, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that this is an anomaly here. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about uh, obviously the damage has been done? It's been split straight down the middle. Have you got an update of of where we're at with um, repairs and potentially timeframes where we're going to see the shield back in action? Yeah, not not yet. Well, we won't see the shield back in action until next year, so that's mm. probably the silver lining. But it's not going this, back right? to Hawks Bay in the community. It's not going to be there. Oh uh, well, well, well. Again, we haven't, we haven't, we we just we haven't even got the um, the shield into the hands of the ah. repair yet. So until we've done that, um, which will happen in the, in the next day or so, then we really won't know what's going to take to um, to repair it. It took a long time to source the wood, uh, so mm. that that may be a consideration, um, and that that may be a, a, a piece of string in all of this in terms of not knowing how long that will take, but. Uh, once we know, we'll certainly we'll certainly communicate that. In all honesty, if I'm going to have my my personal opinion, if you're going to just glue it, I don't think it'll have the same appeal. You know, if you're going to do it yep. right, you do it properly. And uh, you know, our treasure Tonga, that is the the Ramfrey Shield. Hopefully, can be back and hopefully this doesn't put a dampener. It's hard for me, Lanks. I'm a Hawks Bay lad. Both yep. fifty games, and it's hard to really understand what's going on. But let's talk about the community game, mate. Uh, where it's at, NPC. All honesty, has been absolutely outstanding. I love the competition, mate. Have you had felt the same? Been a great competition. Mm. Like, uh, you know, and again, it's almost it's flown under the radar a little bit. I think with mm. the World Cup on, um, but you know, we it, it's been week in week out, cracking games, close margins. Uh, every team's got up and had wins. Uh, you know, Southland got up on the weekend, which is great. Manawatu have picked up a couple of wins. And we're heading into quarterfinals this weekend, and we've got some big matches. You know, we've got a repeat of the Battle of the Bay. We've got Canterbury, Auckland. Uh, it's you know, it just gets better and better. It does, it does. And there's no better way to redeem yourself and go out there and put on a performance. I'm sure Hawks Bay will do that. But we want to talk quickly just about the review. The review came out, and uh, Dame Patsy Reedy spoke about. Uh, not financially viable. Some of these unions, um, Super Rugby is running at a loss. They're struggling. So, where do you sit? Oh, on on the current state of the game, can we have two two competitions that can thrive, or do we have to make the big decision here, put our big boy pants on, and say one's got to go? Yeah, I look. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> come on, I'm Lynx. Clearly, not going to comment on the review. It's a governance <laughs> review, and I'm not a governor. But um, but in terms of the competitions, I'm more than happy to comment on that. And if you're talking about two competitions being super and mm. provincial, absolutely. Well, there's absolutely no reason why those two competitions can't coexist. And, and both thrive. And, and again, I, I say it again, you know, look, you look at the NPC this year, what a great competition, um, absolutely cracking. So, um, yeah, beyond a doubt, they can both thrive. How do we get the numbers back to the stadiums to watch? Do we need to go to the community like Rangiora when they went there, 8,000 for Auckland Harbour, I think it was? Is that something that or yeah, Auckland Tarn- um, right. Canterbury Taranaki? Sorry. So, so you know, it might it might be that we have to ask different questions, right? And the question might not be how do we get the numbers back. It might be how do we create better atmospheres or better mm-hmm. environments. And the answer to that may well be smaller venues. We've seen that work this year, um, and, and it's something we're very keen on exploring, right? And that's one that you know we certainly have to work with our partner Sky TV on as well. But um, it definitely works in those smaller venues. Uh, where you, you can have a crowd of less than 10,000 and it's pumping and, and there's a great atmosphere. So 
that's on the table. Um, you know, greater greater connection, better use of social media, believe it or not. <laughs> but, um, uh, all of those things are, um, are constantly actively considered. Yeah, some of those big stadiums, they look absolutely empty. And then you go to Oniwa Domain, you go to Rangiola, and you see a little bit of vibe there. I absolutely love it. I think it'll go mm-hmm. great. It's getting a back out there into the smaller regions. A couple of messages coming through, Steve. Can you please ask Steve Lancaster if the NPC Union's budget spend is audited by New Zealand Rugby? Yeah, it is actually. So, um, so we we um, as a, as a condition of their funding from NZR, we do monitor their expenditure. They have to report to us annually. So we um, we track um, we track their overall finances, and we also track their player spend. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Steve. We appreciate you coming on. I know it's been a huge week, and um, you know there's plenty more that needs to be solved and and, and taken into contention. But uh, we appreciate your honesty in fronting up this week, and uh, all the best, and uh, all the best for the playoffs this weekend. Thanks for NPC. having me on. Cheers. Thank you so much. There he is, Steve Lancaster, talking about the the Shield, the community game of rugby in New Zealand. I think they totally need to get back to the smaller regions to to get back to the fans and the and the loyal supporters from out in the regions. Thanks, Steve, and uh, that that do much so, so much for the game. So there you go. As honest as they get, Kempi, where you gone? You gone? Have I lost you? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm oh, here. I'm here. I'm, I'm here. You got me. I, look, I just thought, you know, the I, I'm not sure the game can can coexist. I, I'm not sure whether Super Rugby and NPC can coexist. Mm. Is he? I think, you know, um, if we look at if we look at Eden Park for an example, you know, Auckland playing there with no one, no one in the crowd. You 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 got to you got to think just from a an economic um, perspective that it must cost you a mountain of money just to open the gates up mm. for the day. We're given it that it's a stadium, you've got to get caterers in. It's all under a contracted um, um, sort of catering and and so forth, you know. And then you only get a, a handful of people show up. Uh, look, I I think going back to the community is a, is a start, but I think the competitions have to be looked at. I think if it's going to be NPC or Super Rugby, it has to be the one. It can't be both. And I, you know, the Warriors have shown us a, a really good model here. Tribalism and supporting the one team with an identity, we seem to have lost that with Super Rugby, I think. I think Kenny Laban put it really um, succinctly when he said, you know, there was a, a, a initial you know, jump on board when it came in, and now it's sort of just gone away. People don't identify with it. And I think that, you know, you go back to your Taranakis, your Aucklands, your your Whangarei's, you know, the Northlands, those, the Hawkspays, those type of competitions. I think you get that identity back in a hurry by moving it to a smaller stadium um, and just, you know, rebuilding it from the bottom up. Is that what you'd love out there? Double eight, double three. Would you love to see more games played in the smaller regions? I do. I would. Totally would. I'd love to see nothing better than Hawke's Bay going to White or, or Danny Verk or somewhere out in the community. That is fitting. They've got the facilities that could be capable, but you know, nothing stop a couple of portaloo toilets to go along, maybe a couple of barbecues to cook a feed. just creates more vibe. I think it'd be outstanding. Look at East Coast Rugby. When they play in the Heartland, there's hangies galore on the sidelines and fans and people in their cars, you know, a big bot on the sideline. So good. Get out into the communities and uh, smaller regions and, and have your say. And just quickly, good morning, boys. I've been thinking about ways we can improve the entertainment factor in rugby, my favourite sport, and maybe we could reduce the amount of points. Gains from a mauling try and a pushover try or reward extra points for expensive try. What are your thoughts? Good luck, Bezza, with this, with Slokes Day from Karaka. What do you reckon, Kimby? I was, I was watching League and League 
conversions and penalties are two points. A try is only four points, and they still continue to go for yep. the try. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I believe that that's a, a really good um, idea by changing up the point system. Um, the point, point system adds for entertainment. I, I've been advocating for years that we should give a three-point try to a, a try scored by a kick in rugby league and a four-point try um, for a movement, like a running movement. So... Um, yeah, the entertainment, like, you've, you've hit a nail on the head when you said you go to the East Coast and there's Hungies galore on the sideline. Now, you go, you go into some games in a stadium, you're paying 12 bucks for a sausage and a, and a bread roll. <laughs> you know, so you take it a family of four, you put 100 bucks on a counter before you even go and put your, put your ticket in your seat in place, you know what I mean? You've got to get away from that. That's what's killing the game. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I just think what, what you said about East Coast, I mean, you pay five bucks for a hungie, six bucks for a hungie, it's a meal. Yeah, totally agree. And Alex Brotherton came on and spoke about why he goes to the the, the lesser games over in the EPL and football in the UK. It's because it's financially easier. It's not a it's not a dent in the pocket, and it's uh, entertainment to boot. And they've got a real connection back to the community. Love it, Kempi. Keep those calls coming through. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. If you want to have your say in regards to Steve Lancaster coming on talking about the community, the Shield debacle or anything that you want to have your say on regards to that, or rugby, 0800-150-811. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. 27 past eight, coming up, we've got Paul Wilcox in the studio, ATR's Auckland Thoroughbred Racings for the Love of the Horse promotion. Stay tuned for that, it's coming up shortly, but we've got some callers online, 0800-150-811. Steve from Auckland, morning. Oh, Morena, Izzy and Morena Kempe, if you're listening. Um, yeah, just, you know, I, I actually I actually sent that message in and around the budget. Yeah. I know for a fact that only two unions in New Zealand finished in the black after the 2022 season. I won't name those, 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 those two unions. But I, I, I know the New Zealand Rugby Union say they audit the budget, but yep. I, I can tell you this for nothing, that... There are a lot of unions that are hoarding a lot of academy players, and they're living way above their means. Mm. And that a lot of the, and that's a lot of the problem. And that's why, basically, the game is actually struggling money-wise. And they're also, you know, some unions are playing overs for players. Even some players getting players from overseas, as opposed to going local and trying to, to develop local. But one thing I really enjoyed about watching the NRL final. The other night, and I'm from a rugby whanau, and it was, I've got to say, Kempi, it was a fantastic game. Um, mm. Probably the best game of overall code I've, I've seen there this year. Yeah. But I couldn't help when Nathan Cleary, when they were interviewing him, how he kept talking about his community, the word community. You know, if rugby wants to win this game back, they need to take it back to the community. And as far as, as, far as I'm concerned, I think they've actually probably gone away from that. And Playing in big empty stadiums, is, it just doesn't do it. Listen, from where I'm from up north, they've taken the game up to Kaikoi a couple of times, not too far away from you, where you are, Kempi, and it's been a real success. And it, it just needs some forward forward thinking. But I also I also think this this want to be the number one side, and and you just keep on spending. This is where you, this is where your problems occur from. Steve, just um, yeah, try to 
Sorry, sorry, Kimpy. Sorry, is he? Steve, just just in regards no, was... to your uh, community uh, situation, Kimpy's up in Kitty Kitty, and on my cameras is gone, so I've lost some apologies for that. But just in regards to the community, we, we've heard a lot about that connection back to the community. But uh, it's just, I reckon it's a throwaway kind of comment. What what would you like to see from what? Like, what is it? What is connection back to the community? And in, in terms, in your eyes. Okay, um, in my eyes, you get your local clubs involved in the game because I think you've taken a lot of those clubs out of the equation. If I go to my local club here and where I'm based in Auckland, you, you, you've talked to a lot of the guys, come on, you go to the Auckland games? Ah, oh, no, not really. We have not many guys in the team. We don't have much to do with it. Auckland, you know, probably seem aloof to what what's happening in, in, in the club competition. And I think you've got to get in tight with your club. I think the other thing is, like where I'm from up in, in North and they've got a work for life program running with the union and that basically means when you're bringing through young promising players because hmm. as you both appreciate it not all your professionals end up end up playing code for a living so what you do you make sure that you, you bring these promising young players through but you also make sure you get them into good and good employment and in your area or in your hapu if you can get them working in the area playing for local, a local club in your area, at least you keep them in the game and you bring them up as good citizens. There's so much you can do. You can basically get, maybe if Auckland were playing, play it out at Waitakere Stadium, mm. get the three local clubs involved with the catering. I know there's a lot of um, tick boxes in and around sort of commercial sponsors, et cetera, et cetera, but you can still look after your, uh, look after your sponsors. I, I mean, I say, I love my union um, Northland, and I've got a lot, a lot of time uh, for Hawks Bay as well because I've got Farno down there, but not happy with them at the moment. Yeah. But that's another quarter off for another day. There's things that you can do much better in this union without mm. making the big. Yeah, no, I'm hearing you, Steve. I really appreciate your passion coming through, mate, and, and your conversations. You, you're always on the money every single day, so thank you so much, Steve, from Auckland. Uh, we're going to shoot off. We're going to come back with Paul Wilcox. We've got a little ATR promotion that we'll get through. And Jack, pro- apologies for that, mate, but we'll try and get you up around 8.40ish if you're willing to give us another call. Uh, we'll be back soon. Here's Aroha with the news for Cubata, together shaping and building New Zealand. Born to be wild. Well, Paul Wilcox is in a wild, wild mood, and ATR have a special promotion to get back to those unsung heroes. Paul, good morning to you. Welcome to the studio. Thanks for uh, getting me in, and good to be here. Mate, great to have you here. And we had a little chat earlier on about this new promotion for the love of the horse. It's a special celebration of those in, the, in, in our industry who do what they do for the love of the horse. Young sung heroes who maybe don't get the recognition they should. Elaborate a little bit more on why you're doing this. Who's it going to and what can they win? Don't know who it's going to yet because... uh, Come on, mate. You're in your favourites. You're a horse owner. No, no, absolutely. (laughs) But obviously we've got an independent panel that's going to select the winner for us. But we want to recognise, as you've pointed out, those people... Behind the scenes, the hard workers, the ones that get up at the wee hours of the morning before the trainers, so they get everything ready for the trainers, uh, and then the trainers just swan and take all the glory. So we want to recognise somebody that does those hard yards in the rain in the middle of winter when it's freezing cold, cold down Maramara in Cambridge this morning. So, uh, And we want to reward them with a really cool trip and 
get them over to to watch group race in Japan, which is probably arguably mm. one of the great racing jurisdictions in the world with some fantastic horses, and then on the way home, pop them into Hawaii and and have a good time, sun and relaxation, and and then back here. But but with a friend as well. So whoever wins gets to take someone on a pretty cool trip, which which we're excited about. So what are some of the applicants? What are, what are some of the stories that you're hearing coming through in regards to these people? Like you said, that do all the work needed for this horse to be successful, but the owners come out and get a photo with it, eh, Kempe? Ah, it's, yeah, yeah, that'd be Kempe. He'd push the groom away and, and grab the horse when it wins. But uh, no, look, it's, it's, it's those people, particularly the strappers and, and what have you, that uh, mm. are the ones that, that you don't get to see on a race day. You know, you guys, you're not interviewing the strapper on the morning of a big race day. You're interviewing the trainers, uh, and rightfully mm. so. But this is to recognise those people that uh, that do those hard yards. And, and we would just want to say, hey, thanks for, for loving the horse and, and putting in those hard yards. And, and obviously, uh, Japan Racing Association and Hawaiian Airlines have got in behind it and helping us, uh, enable us to, to have a pretty cool uh offer on board for someone that's lucky enough to win it. So they stop somewhere on the way yeah. back? Yeah, they stop in Hawaii. Okay. Is that Kempe going, eh, yeah, eh. Yeah. <laughs> No, they, look, they, so they go to Japan first, uh, Tokyo Racecourse, and, and they'll get to see a Group 1 race in, in Japan, and then when they finish there, they've got four days in Hawaii, which is pretty cool. Hey, that that hundred thousand, that hundred thousand uh, extra miles that you're giving away as a prize to that that's for someone, I suppose that gets that four days they can book their own trip. Um, I, I I knew you'd Paulie? pick I knew you'd pick that one up, Kempi. So obviously part of this program as well, and to encourage those people, particularly those trainers, because they're always up for something free. Uh, the winning nominator, yeah. <laughs> once the panel's selected the person that's going to go and their friend, once. Uh, once they they pick that, then the nominator of that person will win one hundred thousand Hawaiian airline miles as well. So they'll be able to get a that that'll get them to Hawaii and back themselves as well. Well, get on there and start nominating. Uh, you've got all sorts of people, Paulie, as we know that uh, get the horses ready before the likes of Alan Sherrick comes out and takes all the cream. Um, Maybe yeah. rem- remiss of us not to talk a little bit about what's going on down there at Allersley and mm. and where you're at. When when are we going to see racing back there? And fantastic to see there's also been a three million dollar injection into the races with what starting at twenty five thousand dollars a race. Um, your future's looking really bright. Yeah, look, uh, we're we're excited with uh, how things are going at Ellerslie, uh, in particular the track and and how the grass is growing. So now we're just praying for a really good spring and and walking in here this morning, the sun's out, so the grass is growing. But uh, we've just got to make sure that that grass is really strong before we put the horses on. And no one will remember when we get, have our first race day back there, but they'll remember it if we stuff it up. So uh, very, very cognizant of the fact of, of making sure that we go through the process and, and work with uh, our turf people, NZTR, and, and make sure that what we do is right for the industry and, and that tracks uh, in, in tip-top order for, for the horses and jockeys to zip around. Well, it's been a uh, talking point throughout the last couple of years in terms of the synthetic um, tracks that have been made available, but the weather conditions, the weather patterns that we're having to deal with, particularly in Auckland, I can't understand this pre- uh, weather, so bloody confusing. Have you put in consideration that, so like we're going to get a lot of rain, potentially, 
it, the drainage that's been involved, the kind of the works that's been done with the the turf people. Like, you, are you prepared for the worst of the worst? Spoken like a true Cantabrian, isn't it? <laughs> uh, now this is beautiful. Actually, you're from the Hawke's Bay. That's probably something else we should no. talk about. But um, no, no. Look, uh, that's part of the reason. Obviously, with the the changing weather patterns and mm. and the new track that we're putting putting in is is a, is a turf track. But it has the technology and the ability to cope with large volumes of water. Uh, if you go back a couple of two, three weeks ago, Hong Kong, for example, they had, uh, what was it, 575 mils, so over half a metre of water, and uh, pre-race day, and they still, uh, it still allowed them to race. So we've got a, we've got a surface going in that's absolutely similar to Sha Tin and Happy Valley up in Hong Kong. So that will give us the ability to to enable us to race on those race days when when we don't have the 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 rain affected tracks like we used to get at Ellerslie and and what you see around the country when when they do have that rain. Yeah, nice to hear, Paulie. They've got lots going on down there at Ellerslie, and I'm looking forward to getting back down there. So I don't have to travel all around New Zealand to to watch the races, mate. So how do we how do we get uh, people involved in this? Um, promotion and getting them to Japan? Look, the easiest thing is to go to ellersley.co.nz and on the website it's got all the details, it has the nomination forms, so uh, it, it explains in a lot more detail uh, about our partners, Hawaiian Airlines and Japan Racing Association, what they're putting up for the prize for the winners, how you can go about nominating the person. You'll see who the judges are, which is important to, to recognise those independent people as well. So people don't go, oh, it's that little midget from Ellerslie, he's just choosing <laughs> his friends. But there, there's an independent panel, so ellerslie.co.nz gives you all the details. Uh, have a good look around because it also has a lot of other information about what we're doing and, and in particular this prize that we're putting up with uh, with her partners, Paul. Obviously, the, the big question is: is when are we back to Ellerslie? Oh, look, hey, it took. And a, I'm thinking, I've been here a for big ten month. minutes. There's a big take, month in the new year. It's taken a long time. There's a big to get month that in the new out. year, and I'm thinking, <laughs> pff, I could picture myself in a nice corporate spot. See, I knew, I knew, <laughs> I knew, Kempi wouldn't ask that question because he's so polite and. <laughs> And such a such a kind-hearted person, but yes, Izzy just worried about the Hawks Bay, Hawks Bay heritage that where I'm coming from with my questioning. Look, our, our our plans our plans are at this stage, uh, later this month, early next month, uh, we'll have some selected horses go around with some jockeys just for a just for a gallop and and see where the surface is at. That'll be a a little bit of testing. Uh, we'll we'll get feedback from them from the people there. Obviously, we have our agronomists there as well, and and Strathair. Once that gets ticked off, if that gets ticked off, hopefully it will, and and no reason to to uh, not think it won't. Then we'll move into track gallops, where where again it'll be restricted, but we'll be able to test the whole track with those horses being under pressure. Moving moving from there, we go into trials again, restricted trials. Uh, that will happen, the, the track gallops and the trials will happen uh, December, mid-December. Everything gets ticked off there, then then we're all guns blazing for the 14th of January. 14th of, why, why are you winking? Is that because, <laughs> is that because you're thinking you're getting tickets? No. Then, then it'll be the 14th of January, which is that, that twilight meeting on, on a Sunday. Um, and, and again, that's good because it's six races. 
Uh, that will be good for us to blow the cobwebs out because we haven't raced at Ellerslie for quite some period of time. And and then uh, Yahoo, TAB, Karaka Millions. Uh, that That's our goal. That's Auckland anniversary. That's what we want to uh, head for as our grand reopening. But with that proviso, if the track's not ready, we're not going to push it because we all know you you bring racing back too soon, it's going to screw a track. And we, we, we've we spent a lot of money, and uh, I think it would be disappointing to let ourselves down if, if we drop our standards to... To, to force a race when when it's 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 like sport right and you'd know it greater than uh, anyone and Kempi as well you go back too soon after yeah. an injury yeah. and you bug yourself up but yeah. if you do the proper proper planning proper uh, bringing the body back to 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 the level it needs to be to hit that to hit that top level happy days so that's what we're doing beautiful Paul we appreciate it mate I'll come over there and give you a nice hug. And oh, uh, just really it. suck up to you, yeah. Because I know it's a huge couple of months coming up to you, mate. But awesome promotion that you're running, giving back to the, the unsung heroes that are in our racing equine game that uh, don't really get the recognition that uh, they deserve, mate. Appreciate your time. Thanks just, so just much. Just before I go, and what? I know you're probably going to spin don't. off to an ad, but Kempi, uh, what's happening with Hawks Bay Rugby <laughs> and the breaking of the shield? I'm devastated. I'm absolutely. I've well, been talking about it all week. Would you have Paul? carried on like that? Kempi, if course on, he would on Mad Monday when you when you won the premiership. Hell no. No. Hell no, I didn't mate. think you, you would. Know that. I didn't think you would. <laughs> Our Hawks Bay people Good to talk it. to you, Paulie. Matt Elsley? <laughs> well, after after this, gee, gee whiz, I'd, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you if you would allow Hawks. I mean, it's disappointing. Uh, Waikato wouldn't do that. Shush. The mighty Shush. Waikato. Do you allow boys get paid hooligans in there? You can allow Hawks hey, Bay people. boys get paid a great, respectful people. <laughs> That understand, they, they know how to have a good time, but they know where the level is. Get out of here, Paul. Appreciate Thanks, your time. Thanks, Kimpy. There you go, back soon. Yes, well, we've given out three clues throughout the morning. Who am I? Clue one, two, and three. We're giving away a $100 Baddiedas golf voucher. And the answer is Ruby Tui. Ruby Tui was the answer for Who Am I? Many of you got it correct, but there can only be one winner, and that winner is Craig Blanchfield from Christchurch. We appreciate you coming through, and uh, we'll have another one tomorrow for you. Well, tomorrow? Friday. Next, Friday. Friday. And I'm not Leave here. your name as well. And leave your leave name. Leave your name, please. Leave your you. name, because many answers came through and didn't have your name, so it's hard to really pick a winner. So if you're going to be a part of that, who am I? Leave your name and your question and your answer, and you could go into the draw. All right, apologies, but we're going to go away again and come back with Dan McCarty, because, well, Paul Wilcox couldn't stop talking. Yes, welcome back. Daniel McCarty, Wellington's finest. He's just damp. Burst wiping off the sweat. Oh, I think he's sweaty after stress. that. I'm stressed already. The audio release. Yeah, you still haven't got over, have you? <laughs> no, I'm, oh, I'm over that. I'm stressed about what's happening today and what's happening tomorrow, uh, Izzy. Uh, I, I must admit, I had a good laugh when I listened to that <laughs> uh, audio tape uh, for the first time. That That is one minute 40 <laughs> seconds of utter confusion. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that the... Fact that the uh, VAR operator, the guy just, you know, operating the the, mm. the computer, is the one who alerts the two v- assistant referees of what's actually happened is a, a tale a tale, tale sign of just uh, the, the incompetence uh, that set in. And then the panic. The panic is hilarious. Panic. It? After it's, oh, my Ooh. God, oh, my God. Some F-bombs being dropped. 
Uh, let's hope, let's hope what comes out of this is they actually get some decent systems in place. Mm. Hey, we, we can bitch and moan about rugby and rugby league, but I must admit, those two sports do a far better job at actually a little mm. thing called communication. Yeah. I have no reason <laughs> to award a try. Uh, the on-field decision is a try. Could you please check? There's none of that mm. going on in that audio. So, um they're speaking their own language, and no wonder they don't want to broadcast it because no one would make any sense of it. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll touch base with David Choates, our former all-white, on that a little bit later. The Champions League on uh, this morning as well. Jody will run his eagle eye across uh, all those uh, big topics after 11 o'clock. But I'm sweating today because it's the start of the Major League Baseball playoffs, and my beloved Toronto Blue Jays are up in about 30-odd minutes' time, fellas. Hmm. Um, and there's a little thing uh, called the Cricket World Cup starting Yeah, tomorrow. Yes, there is. Yes, there is, mate. What do you reckon? What's the line-up? Any, is Kane, and the Kane's not playing, so who's going who's gonna to be a part of that team? Yeah, well, that's a really interesting question, isn't it? Um, hmm. do, they, do, do they put uh, Rachin Ravindra up top after his good efforts with the bat in recent times and maybe ask Will Young bat at number three? Uh, luckily, I've got a guy who knows one or two things about performing at a Cricket World Cup joining on the show. Uh, Grant Elliott will join us. Grant Our Zoom. So the great man, uh, my Saturday session cohort, will uh, join me to discuss all of those things. What else are we touching on? As he hurriedly tries to bring up his run sheet, uh, Ben Strang is our bully today. Steve Gardner is joining us as well to talk those uh, Major, League ba- Major League Baseball playoffs. So... Big show, big show. Is, is Louis going to tip out any winners soon? Oh, he's had a rough couple of days. Know, <laughs> he just came through on the we'll camera. I was wondering we'll if he was right. listening. <laughs> and, I, and, I'm, and in about a couple of minutes, I'm going I'm to break, or possibly not break, the golden rule of New Zealand sports broadcasting, uh, the equivalent of don't mention Fight Club. Hmm. Hold, hold, uh, hold firm, fellas. That's uh, just a few minutes away. Okay, I'm going to stay on and have a listen to this because my kids are at a holiday tennis program. So I've got six hours of freedom. How good?